It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, a special SEC Media Days preview. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. And Dan, I'm going to Audible here and introduce our special guest first because we were having such a hard time on the last podcast figuring out the order of operations, which is a very full cast thing. And that's great because we have, of the shutdown full cast, of the very popular at Celebrity Hot Tub Twitter account and just all around great uh, college football personality is the best way I think you can put it. Mr. Ryan Nanny is joining us to talk uh, SEC Media Days and whatnot. Thank you for having me. How are we me. doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm great. Now, did you successfully introduce everybody? On Even if you didn't know the order and even if it was a little clumsy, did, did you get everybody introduced? We're going to have to. And okay. Painter literally just dropped off as okay. soon as we started right. doing this. So right. I, don't, I, I don't know what happened to Painter, but we're, hopefully we'll get him back. But uh, Ryan, you're checking in uh, from Nashville, correct? Yes. I hope the city is ready for SEC media days. I'm sure they're having to like, like, get all the get all the the proper steps ready. It's like it's like when Taylor Swift was there, yeah, just you gotta, ten times bigger. You got to pressure wash all the the party wagons. You got to make sure all the pink cowboy hats are dusted off and ready to go. Yeah, we we're putting on our our Sunday best. Absolutely. All right. Also checking in from Auburn, Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Radio Network. Mr. Dan Peck, how are we doing? Hello, Justin. That's it now. That's what I'm going to go with. It's just hello, Justin. That, I've given this a lot of thought, and since you're the one introducing me and you're talking, hello, Justin. Okay, uh, and then uh, Painter turned his camera off, but he's still with us just as a disembodied voice. Painter, can you can you give us a proof of life here? I'm doing well, brother. <laughs> All right, Painter checking in from really an undisclosed location because um, we cannot see him, but we can only hear hear him. So we're off to a flying start. And Ryan, uh, I introduced you as from the full cast and from Twitter. Which one would you rather be known for, or are they both just equally like, oh, dear? <laughs> I guess, you know, the way things are trending in a couple years – you can say from Twitter, and that won't mean anything. So maybe that's the cleaner way to do it. Uh, Ryan, you are in the midst of a personal quest that I have been following along with. I've listened to a few of these that you've been on, but <laughs> this is big because you told us before we started recording, for those of you who don't know, Ryan is trying to be on as many podcasts as possible this year. Yeah. And this is, I think you said number 75? I think so. Like, it's a little hard to keep total track because I'll record, you know, not everybody, like, records and then puts them out the next day. I've had some people be like, great, this is going to come out in, like, April or something, and we did it in February, so. This um, one's coming out on Monday morning, by the okay, way, so maybe, I th- then, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I, I, think, I think you'll probably be 75 then. If not, you'll be right around that, which is does, there we go. Does appearing on that many shows make it tough to have non-recorded conversations with people? Like, are you waiting... Are you waiting for like bonobos to get promoted when you're just <laughs> chatting with someone in in day to day? The good news is that's a struggle I had before I uh, I started this whole endeavor. Having non-recorded conversations in real life was always going to be a chore. So now at least I have a reason for it. So I I've listened to a few that you've been on. Uh, personally, one of my fa- one of my favorite podcasts. Period is uh, is. Uh, David David Roth and Jeb Lund's Hallmark podcast. Yes. That was a great episode. Yeah, Christmas. Time, You've been yeah. on a wide range of podcasts. Yeah. Some college football, some not college football. 
What's the wildest podcast you've been on so far where you're like, I, I would not have ever picked this topic that I would have been on? This is a little bit of a tough category, and I've gotten this question a few times. I think the answer I like best at this point, there is a med school podcast run oh, out of the University of Iowa's med school that is all about like the experience of going through medical training and like... I think one of the li- one of the hosts was a full cast listener and was like, I don't know, would you want to be on this? We'll just talk about like weird weird stories from medical history. And I was like, sure, we can do that. Like that was the one where I was like, oh no, I'm definitely not. I don't know how much value I add here. So, so I think I think this is all public information. But Jeb, uh, speaking of uh, Jeb Lund, uh, he is a. We got to mention this whenever it comes up. He's a Raider. Oh yeah, Northwest Florida State. Yeah, well, that's well, our most popular our most popular topic on this podcast <laughs> is the junior college that Dan went to. That's right because well because we signed a we signed a, a player from there in basketball. Yeah, yeah, which, which is Baker which Mazzara. is which has opened up the conversation. And so yeah, when you're a, <laughs> when you're a Raider, you're in rarefied air. And so yeah, we're we're big big Jeb Luns fans here. Good, and we've been good. for a while. So Ryan, uh, have you ever been to a media days before? No. You this have is, not. This is why I'm delighted that you've decided to have me yes. on for this. Because A, I've never attended. And B, it is in Nashville this year, as you have said. Uh-huh. On Monday evening, I am getting on an airplane to leave Nashville to fly to Liverpool for the British Open. And I will miss the entirety of media days. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I, all right, so... So here's a, here's an interesting question. How many people who will be at SEC Media Days credentialed would love to trade places with you? Because oh, I feel like boy. guys wanting to go to the British Open, that's pretty high. That's yes. pretty high range at yes. Media Days. Yes. With the crowd that you're talking about here, I have – yeah, I think I could have probably been like, hey, if I'll trade identities with you for a week for like – eight grand and i think i think somebody would have taken me up on that is i know this, digital i know sports media is not doing that hot but somebody would have would have coughed up the cash is this your first british open yes oh yeah. wow oh that's yeah. that's really cool you know as someone who's been to media days a couple of times and i've never been to the british open yeah i, I mean it's it's a bummer that it happens to be the same week especially yes. if that's where you live yes but you gotta get on that plane and you, yes. you got you got you gotta go cover the british open yeah, I, I'm not even covering it. I'm just going for fun is the best part. <laughs> I'm just going with like my brother and brother-in-law and dad. I, even better. Even I, better. I did the ticket lottery thing month, you know, almost a year ago at this point. I was like, oh yeah, you can go. I'm like, well, sorry, media days. I feel like winning the lottery for the British Open is like the hipster winning the lottery for the Masters. And it's yeah. like, you're like, yeah. you know what? Y'all haven't even tried this yet. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> That's that's the move you, you can definitely pull off here. Yes. All right, so I, I remember a few years ago um, when the full cast did a live show from Hoover. Yeah. I remember I, I do remember you not being there. Yeah. So I from was a like, karaoke bar, if memory serves. Yep, on 280, baby. Yeah. Hoover, love yeah. it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny because, like, I mean – the full cast universe, uh, your your friends and colleagues, like some of the, I've seen some of them at media days before, and they put their unique spin on it as always. But I think that's kind of cooled off recently. Like, why would you show up to these things? Sure. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, the famous uh, Stephen Godfrey undercover as an Alabama <laughs> fan in the lobby is is an all timer. I okay. So since you're not going to media days and you've yeah. never been, yeah, like. 
how I guess as as a podcaster and as a college football person, like how would you approach a media days? Like you just be like, you know, trying to find something entertaining out of out of it. So so I think. I think the move is, like, find the people who are – like, everybody knows here are the coaches who are coming and here's the time they're going to have. Here are the, like, three or four players that have been anointed to represent the – you know, it's sort of like Boy State or something like that. It's like, yes, you guys can do this. Um, and I would try to find, like, whoever is furthest down on the call sheet, so to speak. So when LSU is coming, I'm like, okay, who is the random, like – equipment manager or just like comms person who's coming and i'm just like hey you come here i'm gonna talk to you you didn't think you were gonna have to talk today but i'm gonna i'm gonna see what you have to like that to me is the goal because the challenging thing about media days is that everyone is theoretically coming prepared obviously the year that a subpoena got served was not exactly how that went Right. But I but I would want to find somebody who's like not prepared and be like, all right, let's talk to you. Let's see what you gotta say. So, I was I was at that media days. Yeah, was, my, was my, first, my first yeah. media days was subpoena media days. Wow. And and that was that was a heck of a day. I uh, am and, jealous of that. And and I, you know, the most recent example of that would be the Texas Oklahoma reveal mm-hmm. immediately throwing everything that had been I mean, you, you were prepared to answer questions about things. You were prepared to ask questions about things. You weren't prepared to ask about the impact of Texas and Oklahoma right. joining the SEC. And it happened to be A&M Day, I believe, which made it, <laughs> which yeah. could, could not have been a coincidence. <laughs> Under no circumstances was that a coincidence and, and made it all the more fun because I think, a, I think like A&M's AD decided, oh, I, I better get up there, too, if this is, <laughs> if this is going on. ADs never answer questions at Media Days, but... But but sure enough, but Ross uh, Bjork decided yeah, it was time. Ross, yeah, Ross Bjork took the uh, took the podium. So he flew, yeah, he flew in on the cow to, <laughs> to get him there and said, "All right, what y'all want to talk about?" Yeah, who who I, knows I, I, what the yeah the surprise could be if there's a you know if 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 there is one for this for this media days. Who gets subpoenaed this year? Like, what's the what's the move? Is it is it laying for something completely unrelated to anything football wise? I I think I think the move to keep it in the Tennessee theme. I think the move would be uh, for Tennessee to get served with a lawsuit. At so, this point. The, so we're recording this early. The Jeremy Pruitt stuff came down on Friday, yeah. and it's like. Now I'm thinking of Jeremy Pro showing up in Meaty Days like Kobayashi at the at the hot dog contest. <laughs> Fight me! Fight me! <laughs> yes, it's just that. it's just him standing in like when Greg Sankey's up giving his state of the conference, and it's just it's just him walking down the middle aisle, just being like, be like, I ain't paying nothing, y'all, y'all go ahead, come get me. Here's here's the thing: when you have a six year show cause, and even if you clear it, you have to sit a year. You have a lot of free time. So there's no reason he couldn't just show up to me. What the world is he doing in his free time? I think someone needs to credential Pruitt and let him (laughs) ask, like, I mean, between between Jimbo, between Jimbo and Saban and and uh, and Kirby, you could be like, hey, remember that time we and then Mm -hmm. they could just I mean, Mm -hmm. any number of stuff could be possible Mm -hmm. there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I think I think think Jeremy Pruitt should should sit next to me in the small room (laughs) next week and get the microphone whenever he wants. I I I just 
I feel like he'd ask some great questions. Just to pull, just to pull a pull a old, an old full cast joke. Uh, it's it's you just get to the mic and you're just like looking out there and it'd be like Jeremy Pruitt AL dot com. Some Alabama outlet should just be like, Hey Jeremy, remember me? All right, let's let's go. You want to mess with Tennessee? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is going to be. Oh, Tennessee, be the Tennessee wouldn't be the only one uh, ner- nervous. Oh, yeah. Jer- yeah, Jeremy that's true. That's because, true. Jeremy Pruitt I, shows up with a microphone and a McDonald's bag. Be like, oh, shit, I don't want yeah. to deal with this. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to assume anything, but Jeremy Pruitt didn't think of that stuff at Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have mastermind written no, all over. I mean, him. this guy was I mean, who knows what he learned at the Noted asparagus non-knower <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. I mean, he was at Hoover back in the back in the reality show days. Yeah, I mean, this guy, yeah. this guy's seen everything. Yeah, I, I'm glad we mentioned Texas A&M because I wanted to lead off with A&M when we're talking media days. Um, Ryan, from your perspective, like how potentially funny could this season be for Texas? Like, there are 900 different options that A&M can go from here. I think all of them are funny except for them like boringly running the table or winning 10 games. I don't even think that's even in the in the in the it's like what's the funniest way this could shake out for a and m and more specifically uh more money than God himself Jimbo Fisher all right i'm gonna so so I think generally speaking the rug pull is what you're looking for, so i'm gonna pull up the a and m schedule, which I haven't looked at recently, so let's say all right, let's do this let's say a and m starts off. Ripping off six wins. New Mexico, Miami, Louisiana Monroe, Auburn, Arkansas, Bama. Let's say let's say they do that. Let's even give them a seventh. Let's say they go to Knoxville and beat Tennessee. And everybody's on top of the world. Everything's looking great. The schedule after that looks pretty much cake. And then you give me that loss to South Carolina at home. That's the rug pull I need. That's the thing that... <laughs> will just, like, suck all the oxygen out of it. And we know South Carolina is capable of that kind of gut punch move. Like, I I think, because what I don't want is it to go so badly that it's immediately clear you got to make, you got to move on. Like, I want, I want the tension to maintain. I want them to sort of have to be like, oh, I think we have to keep Jimbo. That's what I want. I think if he's, I mean, if, if they're, if he's still the coach after the Tennessee game, it feels like he's going to make it through the year. And it's yes. just harder It's harder than ever to fire a coach late unless you're sure about who you're getting. And it's, it's a little bit disrespectful to ask, but I'd love to know, like, off the top of your head, suppose it goes badly enough that A&M has to make the move. Yeah. Is there a... You know, I always think about Tennessee was hoping for John Gruden, right? You always think about, like, the dream candidate in the minds of all the fans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there that guy for A&M? Is there someone out there that, like, the fan base would be united in? Oh, we, we got to go. Like, is, because I'm – yeah, I'd, I'd love to know who they think – because Jimbo had such an impressive resume. Like, I'd love to know who they think is the – you know, who, who, can, who can make it work if he couldn't? That's a, that's a really interesting – like, there isn't somebody who – 
the A&M job comes open, I don't know, an, a normal amount of times, let's say. And there isn't somebody like Gruden or like Bill Cower was that person for a while for, I think, mm-hmm. Tennessee or maybe NC State or something. Like, but, he has you know, family ties to NC State for sure. That, yeah. Yes. So like everybody, like lots of programs have this like, oh, well, you got to call this. You got to call this person, whatever. I don't know who that is for a- I think we should just decide who it's going to be. Yeah. I I would like it to be Lincoln Riley for what it's worth. That I said that on the last podcast. Okay. I love <laughs> the just Lincoln Riley talk. All right, so I have an alternate you uh, an alternate history. Like I think this is the funniest way A and M season could go down okay. this year. Uh, Dan, you're right. It's hard. It's hard to fire a man. At, you know that deep in the year. Let's say he gets past the Tennessee game. It's an off week between Tennessee and South Carolina. So that seven-game stretch to start the year, let's say A&M does not get it together. They fall apart. It looks bad. And A&M's like, we got to get Jimbo out of here. It's over. Bobby Petrino, interim. Bobby Petrino goes 5-0 and after the off week. And Bobby Petrino dabbles his – to stare down Petrino and be like, yeah, probably. Like, Orgeron's his way to the A&M job. I, I love the, the thought of that. That's that's entirely feasible too. Like you that's know, a, I, like yeah. I was thinking Lane Kiffin instead of Lincoln Riley. <laughs> like for for a lot of this, but I feel like we're on the same page about how funny it would be if like yes. because because if Lane Kiffin wins this year, I feel like there are going to be fan bases at traditional powerhouses that are thinking the way Auburn fans were thinking. For much of last year, which is that if you're the Ole Miss coach, you don't turn down Florida mm-hmm. if Florida calls. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're the Ole Miss coach, you don't turn down Texas A and M. These are these are schools that have national championships in the trophy case in right. in various sports. And well, A and M had that one they gave to Jimbo when he got off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and and the recruiting national championship, the promise ring of national championship trophies. <laughs> It's that that's still one of my all time favorite moments in college football history. It's just like they gave it to they gave it to him. Like they they were just now like, does he have to give it back if they fire him and and he and No, this it. turns into a Brian Harson's car situation. It's like you're gonna have to come get it. <laughs> like that that's that's what that's what you have. A and M A and M's hilarious to me because it's just like they've got all this money and all this I don't know, like Ryan, can you think of another team or maybe another program at any point where it's like they want it so bad yeah. and they're doing everything they can except for just getting there? Like, even Georgia in the drought of national titles, I don't think they were trying quite as hard as they're doing as A&M's doing. Like they, are, they have thrown so much money at this, both in recruiting, both in facilities and uh, obviously the coaching contracts. Like, it is amazing how much they're trying. Miami is close. It's diff- yeah. It's a different situation because – <clears throat> like the stadium, you know, the stadium setup's totally different. It's a much smaller school, but with the amount of money, specifically with NIL, that they have poured into it, and like, look, year one doesn't really matter for Mario Cristobal, but like, uh, there are indicators that, like, oh no, all of that money, if it was even real, might have been wasted, which is a very Miami thing to do, frankly. See, I was thinking Nebraska. Because they've mm. also been trying. Like, Nebraska hasn't... St- I mean, Nebraska fired Frank Solich because they thought, like, nine, nine, ten wins and a division championship and a conference title game appearance at least wasn't good enough. And since then... they then, did it again to Bo. They did. I mean, they and they've brought in... I mean, they haven't really settled 
at any time for a coach. Like these have been big names they've tried. Callahan had been to a Super Bowl when Nebraska hired him. Mike and... Mike Riley was kind of settling. Yeah, well, I would say. Was, okay, Mike Riley. That, that's the I, one I, where it was sort of like you know what's what? The I completely forgot here? about Mike Riley. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. That was me too. So. <laughs> and, and Nebraska's probably fine that you did. I'm glad, I forget. I, I forget about Mike Riley, and I forget about the Oregon coach that went to the the, the Wisconsin coach that left for Oregon State. Oh, right, um, like who? Anderson was his, right. What's his the, first name? Was, was Gary it, Anderson. Was, was Gary it, was, Anderson. Was, was yes. it Gary? Yeah. yeah. There's yes. there's there's two coaches in that Big Ten adjacent uh, thing that I, Which, uh, I yeah, yes yeah definitely definitely forget about. <laughs> I'm glad like you were you mentioned that like Tennessee had like Cower and Gruden they always went after. Is it not hilarious that, like, after years and years, they're like, we just got to get this old NFL coach to get it, and they get the guy who runs the most college football offense ever and just to be like, yeah, we got it. We, 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 we abs- <laughs> we're fine. We're good to go. Let's, let's roll. Uh, also, the other chaos, uh, you know, thing we've, we've played around with is Oklahoma just says, you know what, in a year or two, Oklahoma says, you know what, it ain't working, and then they they go they go reach over to Tennessee and they're like, All right, we'll have your head coach now. You play for us, <laughs> and then Tennessee's like, no, we're back. They they and that's absolute, when they get Gruden. Yeah, I mean, because they the Oklahoma absolutely has a candidate out there that the fan base would yeah. be fair. Like, okay, it's got to be you know, it, it's got to be him. Hypo, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, just I mean that that's one. I I wonder, especially with the timelines having been accelerated. I'd love to know Ryan's thoughts on this. Like more than ever. I feel like we see coaches in year two under fire because yes. there's a belief that there's a belief that a turnaround is possible. And I mean, Auburn just fired a coach midway through year two and we enter this season with Billy Napier on the hot seat. You just mentioned mm-hmm. Crystal. We have noted Florida man, Ryan nanny on here. And so, yeah, let's Billy Napier. What, how about that guy? Huh? I think his hot, like two things are true. Yes. He is on the hot seat. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Like, I I don't – I have a hard time looking at that Florida team as it was constituted last year and saying, like, oh, the ceiling should have been much higher. There are things – they shouldn't have lost – you shouldn't lose to Vanderbilt. Shouldn't lose to Vanderbilt. Like, just full stop. That shouldn't happen. Shouldn't lose to to Kentucky twice in a row. Shouldn't do those things. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't almost lose to USF at home. But at the same time, I'm like, they were very competitive with Florida State. They beat Utah. It was a weird and stupid game, but they did beat Utah. Like, that is the thing that happened. They hung with Tennessee. They surprisingly hung with Georgia for a lot of that game. I, It wasn't – listen, I've seen Florida teams that are full like, oh, no, this is going off the cliff fast. Right. And this wasn't quite that. This year is going to be weird and bad because you're going from – the most electric talked about player in the NFL draft to Graham Mertz. And with all due respect to Graham Mertz, like he's not, he, nobody's going to be like, wow, Graham Mertz just had the greatest combine I've ever seen in my life. It's not going to happen. Just, a, um, just, just switching to a very stable and, and, and like, uh, you know, like at his best, like, Oh, he does the job. Right. Like, yes. it's like, it's like getting a pack of like club crackers as your, as your quarterback. <laughs> it's like, I'm glad we had him. It's not yeah. the star of the show, but listen, I'm glad we had him. <laughs> listen, you said we didn't eat saltines, but then you got you got sick, and you were pretty happy that we had him in the pantry, weren't you? It's canned food, right? Yes. It's technically it's technically food, but right, right, like it's it's exa- so we we were talking about 
uh, Ron Zook on the radio mm-hmm. show earlier, which which I guess if the if the Napier thing goes south, you could draw a comparison there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but with I wonder if Napier's lack of a track record in major conference college football hurts him a little bit because when you compare it worked for Billy Napier, it worked for Brian Kelly in year one at LSU. But if it hadn't worked for Brian Kelly in year one, you could point to, well, look, look at what he's accomplished at Notre Dame. And this guy clearly gets it. And there, there would be reasons to stay confident and stable with Napier. It was sort of an experiment from the beginning. Yeah. And if there's not, proof on the field that it's working i don't know if he can lean on like i've i went through this in the sun belt too and and so you you gotta you gotta stay with me here in gainesville trust me it didn't go well for me at clemson (laughs) stick it out with stick it out with me like i i think that weirdly i think the one thing may be working in billy napier's favor this year is florida's schedule is terrible just terrible and it's so bad that i think even the most jaded fans will look at it and say like eight wins would be awesome like it's Mm -hmm. i i think a lot of i agree with what you're saying that the second year becomes the like make it or break it year for a lot of coaches and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that scheduling has changed over the last decade or so and now you're more likely to have a second year where you're like, okay, well, we have we have that one stretch of the year where we only have, like, one road game in a month, and we have, like, these two games at home, and we don't have anybody tough out of con- – like, you can sort of get a, a manageable schedule. That's not what Florida has this year, and I think people will sort of – I think there will be some adjustment for that. Could he get fired if things go super, super badly? Like, if, if he loses Vanderbilt twice, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Wouldn't recommend that at all, friend. Wouldn't so, be fun. Wouldn't no, be fun. No, no. Um, but yeah, it's. I think you're right that it, it does feel like you really have maybe two and a half years at most places these days. And like, if if there has if you haven't either shown significant progress or you haven't picked up like a signature win that can sort of bolster you and counterbalance the negativity from from the struggling yeah you're pretty much cooked most of the time speaking of florida um we've had a long discussion this offseason about the future of sec scheduling and how like when it was like the whole hey we're gonna get three permanent opponents for a taylor six auburn's got alabama and georgia who's the third everyone wants to know the third and there's all these options some some old school fans say, "Hey, we hadn't played Florida in, uh, enough. <laughs> let's let's get Florida back in the mix." I hate playing Auburn so much. I was going to ask you this: What is, as a Florida as a Florida man, your yeah. relationship to Auburn? Because I think it's 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 definitely. I don't know if it's you're saying or somebody somebody like in your orbit saying it was like. Auburn lives to just mess people up, yes, and just yes. screw everything up. And for Florida. They are very combustible, like yes. either in a good way yes. or a bad way. And I yes. think throwing Auburn into that mix every year would just be chaotic. And this was true even when Florida was higher in the SEC pecking order. Like I sure. was at, I think it was the 07 game in games. I was at that. I had a very bad time. I was not happy. And and I think like something about something about Auburn's chaos energy applied to the state of Florida. It's sort of it's 
it, it, it's sort of like, hey, what if you gave somebody on a jet ski fireworks? It's like, you know how this is going to go. Not great for the guy on the jet ski. I mean, yeah, the, the, the 06, the 06 and 07 games, I think, oh, yeah. traumatized a generation of Florida football yes. fans because those were t- in, in, in two seasons where you didn't lose very many games at all, uh, including a, a national championship yes. there. And they were Tebow's late, late era Tuberville teams. Two, yes. Yeah, two, you know, Tuberville, you know, Tebow's two shots at Auburn uh, were, yeah, two, two sort of inexplicable losses. The second one one of the bigger upsets in the history of the Swamp, I yes, believe, as far yes. as how many points at Florida that, was favored by. At that by. point, yes. There have been now stupider games since there have been. <laughs> Thank you, Georgia Southern. Um, but no, but, and, and so Auburn Auburn fans, like there's a generation or two of Auburn fans where the name Fred Talley, he's an Arkansas uh-huh. running back, had a great game 20 years ago, and, and, and he, you know, it, it immediately you know, takes people back. I think Brandon Cox yes. had that sort of imprint on Florida fans because yes. there's these two games where... Yeah, who was, like how, who was the kicker for those Auburn teams? That would be that would have been West Byram. Yes, who, who would have been the Florida native? Florida native West, West Byram. Byram. Yes, yes, West Byram. Like I think Spencer still hates hearing those two words in combination. Like they still stress him out. Uh, it's funny because so since since I've gotten to Auburn, so when I was a student, they played in eleven, and it was seventeen to six. And Payne and I have talked about because we were both students at the time. It's the dumbest football game we saw Auburn play, like a bad dumb Auburn yes. game. Yep. There were a lot of fumbles and weird punt stuff, and and Muschamp like almost killed a referee, and like it was that kind of game. This this is one of those where it's like Florida's trying to win and not go over two hundred and thirty yards of offense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in, and then in twenty nineteen, the only time I've been to the swamp, which was incredible, by the way, like the the the, I think Jordan Hare and the swamp both have like the. They're not the biggest in the SEC, sure. but good Lord, when they are cranked up, they can be as loud as anybody. Yep. And me experiencing that at Florida was just like, oh, gracious. Like, this is this yeah. is insane. Yeah, and that was a game was... where, like, Bo Nix threw, like, nine picks and, like, Auburn still had a chance <laughs> to win. It's the one where Gus – it's where the one – Gus looks like he gets shot on the sidelines after one of them ends up. I think, I think 19 was Trask's first start. I think the injury uh, maybe maybe a second game maybe it was a second career right. start but but yeah. it's I mean it's it's right after the the Felipe Franks gets hurt and that and that leads to, to to Kyle Trask coming in but it was it was part of the reason for the confidence Auburn folks had was like the, Florida had a very inexperienced veteran quarterback right. coming in who immediately proceeded to just it wasn't just Auburn victimized yeah. by Kyle <laughs> well, Trask over the next well, year and a half. Well, uh, so Painter. For those of you wondering where Painter is, his internet's not doing great, so he is he is communicating through the the written word. Uh, chat chatbot chatbot Painter Sharpless says uh, this is an ESPN line. Auburn beat Florida seventeen six in a defensive game that saw seven players take snaps at quarterback. <laughs> that if that is not the Auburn experience right there, and in so Florida stupid. I guess as well, it's just so it's, it's crazy. But like that's the old like. Amen corner, like Auburn. Like There are a lot of Auburn fans that are like, hey, let's play Florida. Because they used to do it every year. And mm-hmm. it was like really, really cool. I just, in their current iterations, since they haven't played regularly, it's like, can you imagine some of these? Like if Auburn, Florida would have kept playing every year, and just the track record we've seen for both of those programs, there would have been, I mean, there, there would have been fires in the stands or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> TCM it, used to do TCM used to do underground where they'd show like weird cult movies mm-hmm. overnights on Friday and Saturday nights. I think the SEC Network should do that 
with <laughs> games like Florida Auburn 2011 and oh, I thought you were saying that's how they should schedule them now. Like be like Auburn and Florida are playing this year. It's at 11 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Deal it's with it. with the Hawaii game. <laughs> And everybody's still just watching Hawaii because yes. they're like, all right, no, whatever's happening on SEC Network is just too... It's, too it's, it's, that's it's, too perverted. No, that's <laughs> gross. I, I, I'm really interested in hearing this next answer from you, Ryan. You went to an Auburn game last year. Yes, I did. I went to the LSU game. You went to the LSU game. What yeah. was that experience like? Uh, because it, that was such a weird time for Auburn fans because it was like if they weren't completely off... Uh, the wagon yet when it came to Brian Harson, they were about to be there, and yeah, it was it was a weirdly competitive game, and we all had no idea afterwards. It's like, yeah, that LSU team, they're gonna win the SEC West. Watch out, right, <laughs> watch out right. for those guys. I'm trying to, I'm I'm looking up to see like when this fell in the schedule for them. Okay, so this was still they had they had beaten Mississippi State, um, but that was the only other that was the only other. Uh, Power Five game they'd play uh, played other than the weird loss to FSU to start the year, and it was just like it was a very quintessential Auburn game, is what I remember. Where it was sort <laughs> of like both teams could do stupid things. Auburn could do lots of stupid things, and then you would look at the scoreboard and be like, "Oh, it's still a one-score game." It 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 was the it was the most I have ever felt a disconnect between what what I saw on the field and what the scoreboard said. Because it felt like, for long stretches of that game, it was like, why isn't LSU winning this by 17 points? And they just weren't. The funny thing is, is that 10 years earlier, Auburn played LSU in the year where Auburn you know, bottomed out, go, mm-hmm. goes 3-9. Yep. They, they lose to LSU at home 12-10. to That LSU team goes on to play for the national title. And it's just like Auburn will drag you down to yes. that if you are not if you are not ready for it. Yes. Like, and it's it's wild because it's like we've now seen this in several different coaches. Yeah. Right. We've the the conservative pro style offenses yep. and and ways of like Brian Harson and Tommy Tuberville and others even you know and then like the wide open stuff that Gus maybe Hugh's going to bring in Gene Chizik with Gus like it's so funny that like everyone thinks of it as like yep that I mean they can. They can do this to almost anybody, and that's where I know for those who are listening to this who are Auburn fans, which is pretty much all of you, I know that's infuriating. For someone who gets to cover it every week, <laughs> it can be kind of entertaining because it's just like there have been times these last few years where we've just like in the press box just throwing my hands up like, I don't know. Yeah. I have, what do you want me to say about this? <laughs> the last the last time I got a haircut, my barber was telling me how when he – he's lived in Tennessee for like 20 years, but he was like, I moved here from San Diego. And when I did, my wife and I brought our boat with us. And on the way from San Diego, they got stuck in Colorado and there was a snowstorm. And they had a tarp over the boat. And they left from there and they were like, well, everything will be fine. And, like, 12 hours later, he noticed his car, like, couldn't get above 75. It was just, like, really having to jam it. and was like, what the hell's going on? And, like, made it to, I don't know, Kansas City or something and checked everything out. And while he thought the snow had all melted off the tarp, it had just actually melted through and he had left the, the plug in. And so he had been towing, like, 100 gallons of water behind <laughs> his car and and effectively like killing his fifth gear in the process 
And that, to me, is what that Auburn LSU game felt like, is like watching somebody who doesn't know that they're towing an extra 100 gallons of water behind them. Incredible. The, All right. The, the Let, things that come to mind from that Auburn LSU game, just briefly, the, the uh-huh. that's the game with – and granted, they were difficult decisions, but Brian Harson made a pair of uh, decisions, I think, to go for it. In the fourth like quarter. fourth and nine at yeah. like yeah. And it was in like weird no man's land. And they would have been look, they would have been long field goals. I was saying punt and trust your defense because LSU had been struggling offensively at that point. I didn't even hate the timeouts necessarily, but it felt like on on fourth and eight or fourth and ten, it was a pair of just like let's heave it towards the end zone. Like a Hail Mary type plays. Which, which were, Auburn definitely had the personnel to do that last yeah, it was, year. <laughs> it was, it was curi- yeah, a, a variety of things were curious about it. And they sort of, I think Auburn led when they made the first of those two calls. And LSU promptly took the lead and, and didn't give it back. Yeah, it's Auburn will do that to you for sure. For sure. LSU right, hey, went 5 of 15 on third down in this game. Yeah. One. What the hell? Yep. What uh, the look, hell? At, look at, uh, look at uh, the completion percentage for LSU in that game. I'm, I'm going to feel gross about this, aren't I? Yeah. Hold on. This can't be right. Oh, that's – sorry. I was looking at the fourth quarter when they only had five passing yards. I was like, they can't have won this game with five <laughs> passing yards. Totally they went so. full army. They went full army on all. Yeah, yeah. 10 of 26. Yep. 3.3 yards per attempt. <laughs> that's – that's Auburn, baby. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll make you play at that. And now, and now, this is like a quarterback that everybody feels good about. Oh yeah, like yeah, probably best quarterback return I mean, in the SEC. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. second, second only to Caleb Williams on the current Heisman odds. <laughs> right, right now is 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 uh, is Daniels. Amazing, absolutely love, amazing. What Auburn, a sport. The Auburn game never counts. That's the important. It, it never does. Hey, it didn't count for Tebow twice. <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh, before we move on, uh, I got to take care of some quick business. Hey, if you like this show and you want more of it, you can listen to the Auburn Observer podcast, uh, the premium edition, uh, later in the week by subscribing for six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Dan and I will be up in Nashville at Media Days. We'll be wishing Ryan farewell as he goes <laughs> to Liverpool. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can listen to everything we've got going on. Peter Stell may also tell you to rate, re- review, subscribe on Apple because he can't talk right now. Um, Give us five stars. Shout us out and shout Ryan out as well uh, if you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, and uh, we'll read it on the air uh, on our upcoming editions. And also, Homefield Apparel, folks. Ryan, I know you can talk about the good the good stuff that Homefield Apparel uh, provides uh, er- everyone. Um, you know, the from other day, day one. Yeah, the other day I wore, I think it was a Minnesota shirt and a Hawaii hat to pick up one of my kids from school. And the look I got from another parent was just like, what kind of wit sec nightmare are you in? Yes. That's, that's a, that's, that's great. That, you know, confusing everyone is the the way to go. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. uh, Oregon just dropped this week and uh, I bought an Oregon shirt and, and our buddy Tyson Alger, who uh, runs the I five corridor, which is kind of like the observer of Oregon, uh, we did a podcast where we just thought he was like, hey, explain home field to me. And I was like, oh boy, I, I have never been more prepared for a podcast. Um, so you can check out homefieldapparel.com, 15% off if you use the uh, promo code observer. You can also buy the official Auburn Observer t shirt while you're there. Just search Auburn Observer at home field and you can get it on your way. All right. So, uh, Ryan, I th- we, we've, we've covered AM, we've covered Florida. I think those are the two big, like, you know, this could go really weird kind of years for in the SEC media. I'm trying to think of another one where it's like, 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to see like what happens at Ole Miss if they don't know how to play five quarterbacks at one time and uh, and Lane. Like, if Lane did all that, and then this year they do, they have another like seven and five, or they like they fall out of the end. Like, man, Ole Miss fans will be will just be driven crazy. But in the back of their mind, do they think they can do a whole lot better? Like, I, I do wonder that about about Lane and, and Ole Miss sometimes. I think you're probably yeah, you've probably threaded that needle correctly. Like. It has, I think if you step back and, and you, if you told an old Miss fan at, um, at the start of this, like, this is what it's going to look like X years in, I think they'd probably take it. Like there are yeah. something, would you have liked to have gotten a win over Bama? Yes. Would you have liked to, uh, change the result of an egg bowl? Yes. Like it's not, it's not perfect, but I think there is enough that you would probably say like, yeah, this has been a successful hire and, and, and recognize like there's not a clear second move or better move we would make out there. Well, and, and I have to imagine they were excited when he sort of publicly spurned another SEC program yes. to stay at Ole Miss, which maybe energy, you know, energizes some of, of that support. You know, we were talking to somebody, Justin, uh, who, who knows some, longtime Ole Miss fans and the sense he got from the Ole Miss fans were you know like like yeah this is this is a 10 and 2 team this is one of the better Ole Miss teams you know maybe the best one maybe the best one since Hugh Freeze left which is I mean there I feel like there's a lot of optimism around the division right now you know a lot of SEC West teams believe uh, they could do it but Somebody's got to come in last. Yeah, I, I get the feeling <laughs> seven and five, eight and four would be a little bit would be a little bit underwhelming for for Ole Miss fans with with the team they bring back this year. And it's so weird because it's like Ole Miss is in that zone where they're they've kind of arrived, but they're hanging around there. I'm fascinated, and I can't believe I'm saying these words because I don't think I've ever said these words in this order before. I'm fascinated by South Carolina. Because it's like, because <laughs> it's like Beamer is like doing all the things that you would think you should do at South Carolina, and then you look up and like last year they also got pasted by Florida, yeah, like right before they beat Tennessee and Clemson, right. and it's like they have all these weird results in there, and it's like that might be the best they can do. Is like I, it is it is wild because like everyone's getting kind of high on their own supply, you know, and and, and, and saying like, hey. Hey, this is hey. We're gonna break out. Watch it. Watch it. And it's like you know, you know that only so many teams can win nine or ten <laughs> games a year, guys. That's just how math works. And South Carolina is so fascinating to me because they are the divisions are about to go away, obviously, but they for so long were kind of like Auburn-ish in the East, where it was like we're here to kneecap you. Whereas yeah. Auburn could have like they could win a championship. They could like you know get. Uh, South Carolina's like, we'll kneecap you. We may make it to Atlanta, but most of all, this is going to be a team that plays in like the the Mayo Bowl that just yes. also ruined ruined your chance at, you know, playing playing in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um I am a little interested to see what Arkansas looks like this year just because okay. I think Sam Pittman had such a good first year and like generated so much goodwill off of that and like and look, I think I think Arkansas fans were just happy to sort of like have somebody that they liked that mm-hmm. they didn't think w- uh, that, that that they weren't sort of like oh, who's this who's this gas bag that we got to deal with. I think right. Sam Pittman like is a good cultural fit for them. That said, 
like last year was a step back in some ways. And to your point, somebody has to finish last in the West. And if that is Arkansas this year, Arkansas fans are not, they're not as crazy as they used to be. But they don't want to finish. They've shifted that to basketball, I've noticed. (laughs) They have shifted shifted that insanity to basketball. And they're good at basketball. They're really good at basketball. Yeah, sure. But it's like, yeah, they are violent online when it comes to that, that well, basketball And when team. you when you bring back a player like K.J. Jefferson, too, and you know yes. you've only got one year left of him. Yes. Like, if, if there, there's, abso- there's absolutely reason to think next year's Arkansas team won't be as good as this year's. Yes. And so if they underachieve this year, like, where, where are they trending? If, as opposed to if they can make a... They can make a run at the division because they lost a lot of close games last year, including the LSU game. Maybe they can have the best season they've had thus far under Sam Pittman, and next year will take care of itself. And and I think, like, the the worry would be, I think if you're an Arkansas fan, if you have another backsliding year, if you have a year where you don't live up to potential and you sort of waste K.J. Jefferson's last season— and now Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. It's it, there is a feeling of like, ah oh, man, we're about to be, we're about to move down an income bracket. Mm-hmm. We like I don't think Arkansas thinks of themselves as like yes, we should be talked about in the same breath as Alabama and Georgia. But I also think they don't want us keep falling down and end up being like. I, I don't think you want to be in that Mizzou category where you're like, oh right, Arkansas is in the SEC. Like that to me is the thing you would worry about is is from a national attention, from recruiting, from you know whatever whatever just just you know conference success. I don't think you want to be the last the worst team in the West right before these two teams from the West, even though the divisions aren't going to stick around. Like right before they come in and suck up even more oxygen from you. What would scare me about Arkansas's future is that with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, Arkansas has always relied on talent from the state of Texas. Yep. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I think other teams in the SEC are going to start thinking, well, with, with Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M in the conference, we're going to be able to recruit that state too. Right. And now you're going to have more teams fishing in the same pond that Arkansas fished in successfully for a while. And I don't know if the state of Arkansas alone – produces enough high-end SEC caliber talent to sustain a football team trying to beat championship level contenders yeah I miss I miss Houston Nutt uh you know just selfishly <laughs> I know I know it's I know he can't still be there or anything first time I met Spencer was we were in a media days where Houston Nutt was talking about this might have been in the Ole Miss days he might have been an Ole Miss at this point and he was breaking down his his running back room and he was talking about guys being real shifty and secret. And he was, you know, I'll tell you one thing about Enrique Davis. He's fast. Like it was, I mean, just like st- stuff like that. Okay. And I, just, I remember thinking, I remember thinking it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And so I do, I do miss uh, the way Houston Nutt could work a uh, could work a room at Media Days. And and he's always what I think of when I think of an Arkansas football coach. Yes. Like still, still to this day, coming up on twenty years since he's been in Fayetteville. <laughs> This is why I think we need Petrino back in the league as a head coach. Oh God! This is why my A and M theory is just the is 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 the right. It is. I do like it better than the scenario I proposed. I'll admit (laughs) that. Yeah, especially because I also can see that. Let's to extend it further. 
Petrino wins five games. A&M's like, we're ready. You take the job. And he's like, nope. I'm going to go coach the Bears or some nonsense. <laughs> he leaves in the middle of he leaves in the middle of bowl practices. Yes. Yes. To be like, well, I just I I felt the I felt the pull. He left and- on signing day, you guys. <laughs> He left on Saturdays. He's like, he's like, I've always felt the pull to be the next head coach of the Chargers. <laughs> like, that's that would actually, yeah. Uh, this is this is actually the perfect scenario. Yeah, and I love it because like we're we're naming a lot of these. Hey, look, Auburn right now as they're currently constructed, they're going to be you know lower to middle middle tier. They, they've got ways to build back up. I do love though, like we've named all these middle tier teams, and they're like, meanwhile, Kentucky's up there, and it's like whenever Kentucky, like they'll start hot, and like I, I made the joke last year about Kentucky where it's like, all right, call me if you win one game against a ranked team, and then they did, and I'm like, all right, we'll do it twice now, like, um, <laughs> but they couldn't, and and yeah. it was, uh, I love Kentucky though because it's like they were so bad for so long, and Stoops has done such a good job relative to what we expect from Kentucky that's like. By the time Kentucky falls off and they start cooling off uh, late in years, and I think last year they actually finished well, but usually when they start cooling off, everybody up there is already thinking like, "Well, it's November; it's time for basketball it's season." I already, season. already, yes. already hate Calipari. Like they can't, <laughs> like they can't concentrate. Like, should we move on from Stoops? Because they were like, "We should we move on from Calipari?" Like becomes like as soon as midnight madness hits, they're already like talking about it. Or there. there's a Louisville scandal that 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 will distract them. That's like super reliable as well. Yeah, it's it's funny because like in some ways I feel I I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder if Mark Stoops is going to end up drifting back towards like what we've seen other quote unquote successful coaches do at Kentucky. Like mm-hmm. following Joker Phillips, who really just did not work there, has helped him sort of like has helped it, th- this all look a lot look very strong. And and I'm not saying it's not like yeah. the guys they've put in the league, the fact that they've had two 10 win seasons, they've had like really good bowl success overall. Like, yes, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to like look at here, but rich Brooks and how mummy and like guy Morrison there, these were, these were not garbage teams. These were not like, Oh, these are two win teams. These were like, okay, they're going to win six or seven games. They're not going to beat Florida. They're maybe going to beat Tennessee. Like it's, I think Kentucky sometimes gets labeled as um, kind of Vanderbilt adjacent right? because they're an SEC East team and because they're sort of like, everybody's like, well, they don't care that much about it. There has been, there is like a little more mm-hmm. football cred there, but for whatever reason, ever like, and I'm guilty of this too. I'm not criticizing anybody. Everybody's just sort of like, wow, Mark Stoops is like consistently winning. That is a thing that used to be true at Kentucky. He has raised the ceiling a little bit, but like, I don't know. At some point I'm, I I am sort of, I I guess, I guess I wonder like, is he going to be, is this going to be a lifer thing? Is he going to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to stay at Kentucky as long as they're happy with this. And are they going to say like, yeah, we'll always be happy with this. I don't know. I I think, I think whenever the, the, totalitarian regime at Iowa known as Kirk Ferentz <laughs> it's over I think that's where they look at it and say yeah. like hey maybe we can bring you over because there's a connection there but like other than that it's like it's a pretty sweet job to have yes. because yes. you can win and you can be successful and do all those things and like you'll have a fan base that's really grateful for you 
and like also know that like you won't have people say, well, you didn't win ten games this year, or you haven't won ten games in a while. Like, what's up? It's like, no, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like, wait, look at look at who we have. Look at who we are. I'm thinking, in the case of Mark Stoops, is he the kind of coach that, if given more resources or a more traditional power, could produce different results than what he's done at Kentucky? And will he ever sort of will he ever take the opportunity, or will that opportunity ever come? for him uh somewhere else i i don't know he's he's young enough i think he's in his mid-50s yeah. to where it's it's plausible over, yeah, yeah that, that some somewhere else could think mark stoops is the guy or maybe he like you said was a lifer who's gonna be at kentucky providing satisfactory results as long as he wants he is already kentucky's career leader in games coached games won oh, wow. bowl games bowl games coached and won uh, not in winning percentage, but like more or less in modern history, like mm-hmm. m- m- since 19, put it this way, since 1962, he is the winningest coach there. So like he kind of, he has the pathway to do it. Uh, I, I feel like he, he is the guy going back to like schools that have like somebody who's always on the must interview list. He's that for Florida State. Florida State is not a job in flux right now. No. But like that he will be that guy if Mike Norvell leaves or if things, you know, take a dip or whatever. He will be like that will be the other place that he will be on the like, oh, we should call him. He's he's almost the second choice at a couple of places because I would think I would think the next time Florida State's in flux, there's gonna be a Dion contingent depending on how this goes sure depending on how this goes at colorado yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, at oklahoma and then, and then the stoops name carries a lot of weight at oklahoma right i mean I, I don't know if he was even looked at when they hired venables but it doesn't seem like it would have been a bad idea in hindsight it doesn't seem like it would have been a bad idea uh and then you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there but that's another that's another place where maybe if they miss out on on their dream candidate mark stoops would absolutely be a uh, an acceptable consolation prize, Ryan. We mentioned it earlier, and we ju- I think we just referenced it here recently. But Texas and Oklahoma, they're coming next year. This is the last media days without them. Um, what what are what is your take on the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma? I'm I'm a lot more excited for it than when they added M- Missouri and A and M. Even though I think A and M is is about as SEC as you can get. Um, but like, also, it is weird. It is weird, but also kind of cool. Like, I, I'm kind of in the I'm kind of in the middle ground here. It's hard for me to separate it from everything. Else. Like to me, it represents so many other things happening. Like, it it that for instance is the reason why divisions are going to go away, and that is why the SEC championship is going to we're going to have like matchups that we haven't seen in the mm-hmm. SEC championship. Or we're going to get rematches in the SEC championship. People are really going to have some feelings about that. Um, We're going to have teams not playing each other as much as they used to. And, like, frankly, that, you know, you you brought up how how Auburn and Florida haven't played each other that much in, in recent years. And that's already an issue. So, to me, it's about, like, how much do we want this thing to change? And by this thing, I really just mean college football. It is not as jarring as USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. Like, that is the one that I look at, and I'm just like, 
truly what are we doing that, that is might so be the, strange. that might be the end of like to me that might be the tipping point of like oh okay so this is a completely different sport this yes. is a completely different thing we're doing now like this is it's the best the best the best like comparison i have so growing up in florida i was a bucks fan but i was a bucks fan when they were in uh, I think it was yeah they were in the NFC North, so their division games were Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit, and like that was fine because the Bucks were still a relatively new team, and divisions like they mean something in the NFL, but it's not nobody's living or dying by it, and everybody understands that like you know these things have moved around, and. I, part of me is sort of like it will stink if we get to a point where the SEC is just a super conference and yeah. just a place where we sort of like I I don't want a floor I don't want Florida State and Clemson to be in the SEC not because they're bad and not because I think they couldn't hang but just because it feels weird. Like mm-hmm. uh, that—that's to me the the part that I'm like having to adjust to. That said, like because they seem like natural fits for the new Big Twelve. Yes, so, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's 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 exactly that's the that's reason. Nothing says that's Mountain the, West like Tallahassee, Florida. But like, there are probably people who feel or felt this way about South Carolina when they joined the conference, right? And Arkansas, like, yeah, yeah, and like, I have never felt like, oh, South Carolina is a weird fit. No, South Carolina uh-huh. fits in the SEC great. With their giant concrete hotbox of a stand, like yeah, like it, 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 that has not felt weird to me. But I'm so, so I guess my long rambling conclusion is I'm old and I'm having to <laughs> wrestle with that. Hey, hey, speaking of old, by the way, you mentioned the Bucks. I, 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 I say this just because Auburn has a couple of no, very notable players for the Bucks now. Are you a creamsicle uniform guy? I don't know if you care about the Bucks anymore now, but like I know they're bringing them back. They yeah. look pretty sick. Like I, like I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a I, fan I, I cannot separate my memories of what those. Like I went yeah. to those. Like I watched Trent Dilfer be terrible for those teams. <laughs> I had a Alvin Harper. He got hurt ball. on the first play. Oh my god! He, Alvin Harper got hurt on the first play. These these teams were in the old sombrero. These teams were un watchable like un- until like eventually the defense got good but like it's not a coincidence that they finally like broke through and won a super bowl i think the year after they changed the uniforms the creamsicle yeah. uniform that this uh, i if you could go to sports reference and just be like give me the bucks record when they wear the creamsicle <laughs> i'm sure you're like oh no this is a disaster never touch yeah, these yeah. Because yeah, I think a, younger, yeah, younger fans don't realize how bad like the pre-Dungey Buccaneers oh, yeah. were for, for their. I have, no I have no. no recollection of that. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were a nightmare up and down. I think I think my, yeah, I think my uh, earliest memory of the Bucks, and again, growing up in Alabama, I wasn't an NFL person, and still haven't really been for most of my life. I think the earliest memory I have them is like when they made that Super Bowl in the early two thousands. Like, and I'm like. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the Bucks, cool." Right. Like, right. Warren Sapp. Like, <laughs> right. like, right. I have, and then like you, they're one of those teams. Like, every time you see like a stat where it's like, you know, they had a quarterback throw at least multiple interceptions, like seventeen games in a row, and you're yep. like, "Oh yeah, the Bucks did that." Yeah, okay, yep. that yep. yeah, that it, it is funny that they're kind of kind of along those lines. So, so the thing that shook me about the conference realignment is just briefly, like yeah, yeah. I had that I had Ryan's feelings. 
when the Big East broke apart. Sure. And suddenly, like Boston College and Pitt are ACC programs, and you know, I I feel like the weirdest the weirdest feeling has to be rooting for one of these teams in the post Texas Oklahoma Big Twelve or the post USC UCLA Pac Twelve yeah. because the the conference just feels like I mean they feel very depleted and juiceless without programs like that anchoring the schedule. I think I think it's a little different in the Big Twelve for a couple reasons. One, I think they all hated Texas, and they're like yeah. there is a like cut off your nose to spite your face thing, and it's like good get out of here. You and your stupid television network ruined everything in the first place. Like Oklahoma, I don't think it's the, the feeling is that as strong, unless you're Mike Gundy. Um, and also, like, the Big 12 and those schools, they have always existed in, like, a shell game of a conference. The Big 8 was this way. The Southwest Conference was this way. TCU was in, was in the Big East and never played a game before they left that conference to join the Big 12. The Pac-12 is the one where I think it feels much more like, oh, and and really what it is is that I think the Big 12 is like, okay, it happened. The Band-Aid got ripped. Texas and Oklahoma are gone. They don't have another Texas and Oklahoma to worry about. Like, what they have is what they've got. In the Pac-12, I think everybody's looking at Oregon and Washington and are like, are you going to, are you going to stab us? Are you going to bleed us out? And I don't know, frankly. I'd look at Cal and I'd look at Cal and Stanford too as as programs that probably won't be left in a deteriorating league yes. and will look out for themselves yes. and and find a way to to pretend and if you're if you're trying to grow a league on the West Coast Cal and Stanford would would make sense for a couple of reasons too so I I think a couple couple teams in that league we're not naming that should probably be worried about yes. uh, the, uh, the the future of of that conference yeah I just love the thought of UCF BYU conference game. Like that's that's fun. That's fun. You talk about, about UCF two- UCF Arizona State <laughs> conference game, like the the, well, the mean, ultimate party yeah. school bowl. Well, that's why BYU UCF so funny to me. For for like it's like two very like minded institutions of learning and culture, like like squaring off. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like Gus is going to show up there in a game and he's just going to be what in the world's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I am terrified. Uh, But so Ryan, uh, wrapping up here, I are this podcast covers a lot of stuff, a lot of Auburn football, a lot of Auburn basketball, but we have these topics and, 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 an interest that we like to go to more than others uh, on top of that. And one of them that's been in high demand for us here recently to the fact that people have talked about us having bonus podcasts just about this topic is food because mm. we're, we're media people. We go yep. where the free food is, yep. you know, we, we, we love, we love all that. Auburn is playing it at Vanderbilt this year in November. Um, media days is this week, obviously in Nashville as a Nashville resident. I'm sure people who've listened to this show have been to Nashville and have done all the Nashville things. But like, as somebody who really knows what's up, if you had to tell people like, "Hey, I, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. I'm going to the Auburn Vanderbilt game, or I'm in town for the weekend," give me some spots to 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 eat at that you're just like, you might not know about this unless you're talking to like a real deal, like somebody who lives here. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Um, uh, I will say broadly. East Nashville is is the move for a lot of places. There's okay. um, 
there's a really good place called Mas Tacos. Uh, I think that's the name of it at this point. Uh, there's Redheaded Stranger over there where you can get... Um, it's also like Tex-Mex style, but they ha- they do like a lot of weird stuff, uh, which is delightful. There's fa- I, my wife and I had like a fancy a fancy meal at one of Sean Brock's restaurants over in East Nashville called Audrey. Um, yeah, there's just like a lot of cool places, a lot of different places, and it's not nearly as crowded as downtown. Um, if you don't want to cross the river, uh, I'm going to recommend Brown's Diner which is, okay. I think, the oldest... They, it's one of those where it's like... I, I think they say they're the oldest saloon or the oldest bar in Nashville. And it's a place... My wife is from here originally, and when we moved back, we went, we, we went there, and they have, a, they have an awesome burger. Like, the burger is the move. Um, it's, a gre- it's, su- it's a super greasy spoon. But when we b- went back in, she was like, I think some of these waitresses were here when I was a child. Like, it's that kind of place. There we Um, go. Yeah. Uh, And then another one uh, over by Belmont is International Market, which reopened. The owners, the original was owned by the current owner's parents, uh, a woman named Patty Mayant, who came to Nashville, I think maybe from Thailand. I I could have that wrong. To be a, she was like, I'm going to be a country music star. And I'm going to run this restaurant as a way of like supplementing that dream. She did not successfully become a country music star, Darn. but it's like extremely good Thai food. So, so those would be my recommendations. That said, and this will come in handy for you for media days, Assembly Food Hall downtown. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like that's. There's a, there's a few spots in there that I've been to the other locations of them before, and mm-hmm. I was like, like the pharmacies one that always yep, stands out. Yep. I'm like, this place, yeah, it rocks. Like, I'm, yes. I'm glad that that's that's within a good good distance. I'm glad I'm glad people can get Prince's hot chicken there and not uh-huh. Hattie B's. Frankly, like I was gonna ask you where you stand on the war. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm like, with you. I'm with you. I'm a bit. I'm a big stupid baby, and I'm not getting particularly hot chicken when I get it. But yes, I am a Prince's person for sure. So I was in uh, I was in town for Troy at Belmont uh, women's basketball mm-hmm. last season, and I went to Biscuit Love, the one over uh, the, there's there's the a one location in the we, did that, we did that in SEC uh, SEC basketball tournament too. The one in the Gulch yeah. or the one over in Hillsborough Village? I think Hillsborough okay. was, what, was uh, where we, we uh, Gulch, was, was, was where we got it from. But it's yeah that that place is uh, uh, it had, it had, it's earns its reputation. Yes, they're solid. Uh, definitely. And um, there's a coffee shop that also does really good breakfast called Fido near there that has also been around for like 40 years or something like that. That's that's the move. All right, folks, you have your marching orders, whether you're in Nashville this week, next week, some point. Hey, Nashville's just like, I guess as someone who lives there, I, I'm sure you're away from the parts where everyone is like, you know, because every time I go to Nashville, I'm like, man, there are so many people here that don't live here. <laughs> like, yes, yes. It would kind of drive me crazy. I, I do like when I have like friends come visit who aren't, who haven't been here before. I do try to find an excuse to be like, let me go show you what this is like. So you can, because as I have explained to people, the funniest thing about Nashville is that lower broad is full of people wearing cowboy hats. And there's no cowboy hats elsewhere. Like people are not out in Tennessee uh-uh. wearing cowboy hats no. or or any of that shit. It's it's amazing that that piece of 
country western culture has like only exists in this very particular part of Nashville. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. You go to a bar and you think you're you know you're unjustified. Like, yes, like that's, yes, that's like yes. Just wearing wearing cowboy hats where no one else is wearing cowboy. Oh hats. man, like, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm glad we got to be your 75th podcast. Thank I you. Hope Thank I, you. I, 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 uh, I hope you had a good time. I had a blast. Uh, I'm sure. Dan uh, it shares the same sentiments. Yeah, it was delightful. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's 75 in Roman numerals. I feel like that should maybe be the name of this episode. <laughs> Which is weird because this. this is 298 for us. We're closing in on number 300. Is 300 so. going to be at Media Days? No, but it'll be kind of aftermath of okay. Media Days. Okay. Um, we're trying to figure out what we were going to do for that. Like we've, we've tossed around a few ideas, but... Um, LXXV okay. is uh, 75 sure. in Roman whatever. numerals. Whatever. All yeah, right. okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, uh, this is, this is the time to, to plug what you've got going on. I, I don't want you to give away anything you don't want to give away. I sure. did see that you tweet tweeted that you've got a podcast yeah. in the works. So yes. Yes. Don't want you to it's, give away any info you want to, but there's going to be another Ryan Nanny podcast there, on the way, folks. Yes, there is. There is another. And it's not dad walk. There is another <laughs> podcast on the way. <laughs> Justin is going to have a part to play in it in in the first episode of it, but that's all I'm going to say about it. Like, just keep go. your eyes you peeled. It. You'll see. It'll be sooner rather than later. And celebrity hop tub on Twitter. Yep. Listen to the full cast, or um, don't. Like I understand if you don't. That's if a good choice too. If you, have a doctor, if you have a doctor's note excusing you from listening to yeah. the full cast, you yeah. Can if do you're that. in your car with your kids, definitely don't do it then. I, I will tell you, um, I one time. So my 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 dad, who will probably end up being listening to this, my dad is a Baptist pastor, and I remember listening to a full cast in the car with him when I was uh, still in college, probably. And it was just like, oh no, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's like hey, he was. I believe his words were, "This was funny, but sometimes I get uncomfortable." <laughs> like, and I'm like, yep. yeah, that's the full cast experience, right? I, there. I'll, I'll tell you what, my parents certainly don't listen to it. <laughs> that's that's great. I well, mean, for that's, that that's, I am grateful. <laughs> well. uh That'll do it uh, for us. Uh, we'll be back later this week. Uh, Dan and I will be in Nashville for Media Days. Uh, Painter sends his regards as well. Uh, this is usually the point in the show at the end where we say final thoughts and kick it to Painter. Painter asks a random off-the-wall question. I'll step in and do it for this one because I want to know Ryan's answer to this question because we talked about it on the last podcast. Final thoughts here. Ryan, your favorite SEC town, you can only pick one, go. And okay, we'll say you can't pick Gainesville because we we couldn't say Auburn. I wouldn't pick Gainesville. So I'm glad you said that because I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> um, you know what? I've never been there, but I'm intrigued by College Station. I want to know more. I want to know more about this strange place that has a dog graveyard outside the stadium. <laughs> really good tacos, a dog graveyard. There's like this like. There's a golf course on campus that feels like it's like when you drive by it, it feels like it's seventy nine holes. <laughs> like, yes, it, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. We gotta I, get you to college. We gotta get you to college station. That's at a some goal. Point. That's definitely a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College station. All right. I like. I, I like the. I like the blind pick. Painter would be. <laughs> Painter would be proud. 